everyone, for those who don't know me, uh, my name is Jacques, one of our elders here at, at church. Um, great to see um, many faces this morning. And yeah, it's great to, to have someone bring over that just confirms uh, a few things. So thanks at all, really encourages me as well. Um, this month, um, I'm doing a series on Becoming Love, um, that's the, the series name, and yeah, I'm very excited about that. The, go to the, the next slide, just a little bit of background on the, I thought long, is it, is, is it going to be about love? Because there's a multitude of things that can be spoken and that, that has been written about love. It's, it's like the ocean, and I mean, there's it, so much to delve into. Um, but I just felt, apart from that, Christianity, no one denies the fact that the Christian message is about love. Um, it's well known, non-Christians has, has agreed with that, but criticism many times is that Christians do not live a message of love. It's sometimes where we fall short. Um, we don't become love, and sometimes we would uh, cherish that great and beautiful truths about love, but it can so easily uh, especially for some of us who are introverts like myself, become something like, I mean, I can, uh, my personality type can tell in my mind for hours. I can be locked away. Uh, I don't feel I miss out. It's very exciting in there. Um, and I can meditate on things and it feels like it's the reality around me, which, I mean, the, the spiritual truths and the reality is true. But at the same time, the world around us, in terms of becoming the light of the world and the salt of the earth, we can so easily fall short. And then when we get busier, it becomes a silo in our life and we go on with our lives in some way. But the rest of the world, those around us, only know it in theory, but not in action. And so this is for me quite a challenging thing just to, to approach, because sometimes it's safer to talk about things and to be a, a spectator than actually playing. I mean, everyone can go to a spring box, right? We all have something to say about how they should play and how Dwayne should pick up a ball and just run straight, whatever, and Billy, how to catch a ball when all blacks are running down at you. We, we all have our calls of wisdom, but when you put on the, the jersey and you're on there, then it becomes a, a different ball game. And, uh, um, just playing the game, if I can use another sport analogy or a board game analogy for, for that sense. If you play to win, you play differently. If you play to, to achieve a goal of uh, um, sport or game that you're playing, you, you approach it differently. So if you play soccer, for instance, and you realize the um, goal or aim of the, the game is to score a goal, then you're not just going to kick to your competitor and back, you're actually going to try and get to a place where you score it. And many times I find with myself and in our Christian circles, we can so easily become used to almost 
playing with a goal, but we're not really focusing on scoring a goal in that sense. Where um, and not, yeah, we just almost get sidetracked somewhere with talking about things or even engaging it and being encouraged by it, but stopping short of that almost becoming a reality in our lives and what we're running after. I was thinking Joshua, our two-year-old, recently started um, riding a bicycle without pedals and I have wondered what if I, before he started, gave him a, a nice theoretical course on how to ride a bike. I would start with safety, obviously, the importance of safety and what you need to do. I would tell him a little bit about angles and how to go about it. But the thing is, he would probably not really be successful in riding a bike or it won't even get him to really riding his bike well. But if I put the bike before him, and I just tell play with it, he will start figuring it out. He will figure it out by doing it, not necessarily by getting more information. In our day and age, we feel safe if we can accumulate more information about something, especially because many of us come from a professional background. You, you may not make a mistake and failure is unacceptable. So we first need to make sure we research everything and that is great, but the only problem is sometimes we carry that over into our personal lives and into our faith where it becomes very theoretical, we research a lot, we listen to a lot of sermons and that satisfies us but we stop short of fulfilling the goal of why we were placed here. Um, Aubrey started by reading a part in John, the end of John 14, uh, I think. And that flows into John 15 about um, bearing fruit, where Jesus speaks about him being the vine, and that if we are not in him, then we cannot bear fruit. And that the branches that don't bear fruit get thrown into the fire at the end. Um, and I think many of us have, have heard that, but just the importance of us having to bear fruit. Um, God didn't just place us here for just because he was exploring the idea of what would happen if we put humans on earth and see what happens and where do they get, how would they evolve and all of that. He actually had a purpose in that and a big part of it is for us to become like him. We were made in his image, we were made to reflect who he is. And in John, don't have to go to that scripture now, but um, in John 7, or oh, you can actually go to that scripture, sorry. Um, in John 7, uh, John 15, verse, what is this? Verse 8. It says, after speaking about the vine, it says, This is to my Father's glory, glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So that's not on there. Um, but just through obeying the commandments, uh, we will bear fruit. What is the commandments when someone asks Jesus, Jesus, what do we need to do? What does it all come down to? I know, I think it was a lawyer or person uh, trained up in the law asked, okay, I know a lot of things, but just summarize it for me. What does it come down to? And Jesus said that it hinges on two things, love God, love people. Very high level summary of it. 
But that is what it comes down to. Our time here on earth comes down to love God, love people. If we do that, we tick the boxes. I mean, that's a very high-level summary of a, um, a lot of beautiful things that have been written. But for us to realize that in the end, it, that's what it would come down to. And for us to glorify the Father and to bear fruit, it comes down to loving God and loving people. And then Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain my love. And then in verse 10, that I think is the next slide, um, it says, I'm reading from a different translation here. Let me read that one. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in His love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And I always thought of it as, number one, abide in the commandments. And it's true, but there's a part for me in that, that abiding in God's love is obeying the commandments. And that is a primary thing. Many times we think of love as something we need to do. It's one of the good things to do as a Christian. We should remember to love as well. Somewhere, it's like world peace, you have to have a love sticker somewhere, and we all know it's correct, so no one would argue it. But in terms of manifesting it, that is sometimes where the challenge comes in. And that's just the, a bit of a summary of the reason why I feel um, this series on becoming love is for us to, at the end of this, challenge yourself and those around you not to merely speak about the different ways in which we can love but actually keeping one another accountable in becoming love and I think sometimes we think we need to get it right the first time from A to Z and I want to say be free to fail continually because that is what would actually happen if you're not failing then you're probably not really putting yourself out there so it's not about perfection and doing everything right and becoming the poster boy of love. It's about obeying the commandments and bearing fruit. And sometimes we need to throw that weight off us to be perfect as well and just say we're here to please God. We're not here to please those around us in terms of measuring are we doing the best uh, type of whatever ministry one might think of. It's about bearing fruit and, and, and loving. So when we speak about love, there's obviously a lot of things that's generally used in terms of just talking about love. I mean, these days we would speak about, um, if you're passionate about something, you would say, I love coffee, I love cycling, I love training, I love Cape Town, I love going to the park. And and there's, a, there's not really something wrong about just adjusting our language, but we should realize, especially when we read the Word and start engaging with God with that, that it's not just things we like. Now, the different types of love the New Testament speaks about mostly, there's four, um, I don't know how to pronounce the first one, but I'll say Storgi, Storgi, um, parental, so that speaks to empathy bond, parental love. Then you get filia, that's affection, so especially in terms of friendship. 
um, which is really great. Then there's eros, romantic love or sexual love. Uh, yeah, you will learn a lot more about that in the marriage prep, if I'm right, if those who want to learn more about that. But the, those loves spoken about is more conditional. So those are loves that's focused on the deserving because you choose who you want to love and it's coupled with the desire to possess in some way. And so it's conditional on getting. It's not unconditional. And then the one that we all would be have heard of previously is agape love. That's unconditional God love. And that's the love of the undeserving. Um, that's a love that gives. That's not trying to possess, but, but gives. And when we um, think of love, I think for many of us, we would obviously think of 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 to 8. And I thought, let me put that in, just as it is a series about love, but we're not going to focus that much on it today. That's also an eye test. So if you cannot see one side of it, uh, you probably can go for an eye test as well. So normally they say one color is more bright than the other. For me it's green. Um, if I look from yes, but it's better now after I've gotten my new glasses. But just listing there a little bit in terms of what does 1 Corinthians 13 says, what is love and what isn't love. And just especially when we speak about God's love for us, we can almost exchange that word love with God's love is patient and kind. Rejoices with the truth. Love, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. And if we think back to just about the idea of playing this game of life in terms of priorities, in terms of if we are called to love and that's what bears fruit, then we need to for ourselves start unpacking how do we do that? How do we improve the way we love? How do we cultivate um, loving others? And there we can see that love is patient and kind. And we had a sermon series on patience last year, but a key component is love, is patience. And then kindness in one of its root words refers to generosity as well. So that also speaks to just giving um, and rejoices with the truth. So it doesn't focus on that is what is wrong, but rejoices with that, which is true. Sometimes for me it's very difficult just to continually retrain my mind and not jump to what is wrong, but start focusing on what is true and rejoicing with it. And then it says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So that's, uh, yeah, we'll get into that at the later stage. And then love never ends. And then the obvious other part, what is love not? Love does not envy or boast. So we can see in our culture how easily that would happen in terms of comparison and social media. We can so easily, we're almost positioned in a way to fall into that trap of starting comparing ourselves with others. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. 
So that is a part that's quoted a lot and that's, remember, in terms of agape love. So many times we think of it, okay, obviously with marriage, um, practically many people would refer to it and it is something to obviously use in marriage, but it's much wider than that. Not only romantic love or friendship love, this is God's love for us and how love looks according to the word. And with that in mind, just the idea of, okay, if we want to set ourselves up and position ourselves in becoming love, like I said, then we should look at what does the word say is love. But then the bigger thing is, where do we get love? What is the source of love? Um, especially in our time with so many opinions being out there of, of what is love and what does it mean to love and um, whether it's from the NGO world or to just uh, righteousness out there, whether it's for war in Ukraine or Russia, um, or whether it's in your own home or at the workplace. There's so many things. How do you practically engage um, love in, especially in a place where sometimes there is a right and a wrong, um, and this, yeah, despite that, navigate that, and I think that's where the other sermon series about wisdom is so helpful in terms of where it says that wisdom is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And for us, that would be the same, obviously, with love. That loving others would start with the fear of the Lord, because practically, there's not always going to be a a cheat sheet in terms of what to do in each scenario, um, but we should become love in those different scenarios, in our different industries and in our different places where we go. And love is not only going out there. I mean, practical outreaches and things is amazing and so necessary, but sometimes we can so easily trick us, trick ourselves and um, take the responsibility of terms of loving because we put it in the box of, okay, maybe I go on missions at this time or I'm going to church at this stage and there's certain areas where we know we need to put our love cap on but then in other areas, whatever it might be, we don't put the cap on, we have another cap or, or rules that we live by. And the idea then for us is to become love means to, in our relationship with our, our parents, our spouses, our friends, our girlfriends, uh, um, whatever place we're in, in that place we need to be transformed to become love. So looking at the source of love, becoming love, will refer just to a scripture that just clearly speaks to it. And I think again, what my aim is with this is to say, okay, sometimes we overcomplicate just the principles of, of love and where it's actually very practical. It's just always so beautiful for me to see how children can get it. Um, even though they can't explain it to you, they can walk in a loving way. Um, which means it is not that complex and it wasn't made to be complex but it's something that we can live from. And so if we look at 1 John 4, I'm going to read there from verse 1 John 4, verse 7, um, to around about verse 10, I think. If you have a phone, you can follow there, but I'll have the scriptures on you. 
So, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever love has been born of God and knows God. So the commanding part in terms of the love, let us love one another, for love is from God. And that's a big thing that we need to realize that the origin of love is God. The origin of love is God. If God wasn't there, there wouldn't have been love. It's not an attribute that we have applied to God, but He's the source of love. He's the one that defines love. Um, Love is the outflow of, of those who know God. So whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And it refers back to that place of bearing fruit. If we know God, then the fruit of our life should be that of love. And for many of us in different measures, we should be more practical. Practical about how do we apply that and how do we become love practically because we cannot say we love God if we do not walk in um, love and we cannot say that we know God if we do not walk from, from that place. So there's a place of where we speak about mind, heart, hands and it needs to move from our mind to our heart and our hands and, and our, to our emotions, the way we think about people and things and to, to our hands. And the big one is that love is not a human achievement. So for love is from God. It's not people that through all their research and everything has found a way to love. I mean there's a lot of practical research on human behavior and EQ and all of that. And that lays it, communicates it in a way that is easily understandable. But the thing is, it's not a human achievement. Love is from God. Verse 8 says, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So, to say that God is loving is not the whole picture, because He's more than that. He's not loving, He is love. Um, and I always thought of it as one of these you know, like attributes, but just realizing, just like the sun that continually burns and just releases heat and gases, that is God, in terms of love. He's the source of love, radiating love continually, and especially, He cannot change His nature and not be loving. That is who He is. And many times that's something for us to realize we need to change our, our minds in terms of that, conform our minds to the truth that God is love. If we hear voices in our head that's uh, in that sense, speaks judgment just to the truth of who he says we are. We should realize that it's not God speaking. And I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit convicting you. But many times we have a lot of lies ministering to us that is not God. And we should silence those. Um, because his essential nature is love. And, it, and on the one side, it sounds so simplistic to say, God is love, but it's so foundational to realize that we as people, we're not the ones that created love, and we're not the ones that bring love. It's, it comes from God, and any manifestation in us of that is just, like we would see now, a place where we have surrendered ourselves to Him. So, how, is, how does love look for? 
you'll see it here in verse 9. In this, the love of us made manifest amongst us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. So in this, the love of God was made manifest amongst us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. So God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. So God gave, and in verse 10, in verse is love, not that we have loved, but that God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now that word um, means that because of our sins, we deserve judgment. And it's this intersect of God's character of peace holy wrath and his love that delights at the cross in that we deserve a judgment because of sin but God chose to let his son Jesus Christ take the punishment of that sin on our behalf and that's what propitiation um, refers to so again we cannot start with human achievement or effort um, it's all because of what God did at the cross um, and the thing is, many times when we start thinking of the gravity of God's love, we can find ourselves realizing, and especially when we look at that list of 1 Corinthians, we find ourselves realizing how far we fall short of love. And we realize in that moment of honesty that we're not actually the source of love. We sometimes think we are, but in those moments we realize and you get children, you very quickly realize that your love runs out at some stage and that you're not the source of it. And I think that's many times why God also gives us the privilege of having children is just to keep us humble in a sense and, and, and realize that. So that's a great gift. But the love of the undeserved, Romans 5 verse 6 says, For while we were still weak at the right time, God for while we were so weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So while we were at our weakest, at our most uselessness in terms of being able to contribute anything, um, Christ died for us. Because we were born in sin, so it wasn't at a stage where God saw, okay, I can see the potential there in being. Um, Okay, I'm willing to send my son for him because he's showing some potential. He's someone worthy to invest in and maybe we'll do that. It was a case of while we were still weak at our, our lowest point, Christ died for us unconditionally. When we had nothing to bring to the table, Christ died for us. And verse 8 goes on to say that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And just the big thing is that, like I said, that God is love. That is what it comes down to. Any, any starting point for us in terms of love is the fact that it comes from God. And I want to ask you, and maybe we can take five minutes just to break up in groups of maybe two, just because, if possible, otherwise three. But just to discuss that a little bit, and I don't have questions here on the screen. But I just want us to, to think through 
and maybe this is a question for yourself, is how has the love of God affected your life in the last five years? How has the love of God affected your life in the last five years? How has decisions you've made or things you've done been different because of the love of God? And what that question, and this is not for discussion, but what that question tends to reveal is how much are we relying on the love of God? How much have we opened ourselves up for the love of God? Because if we, through our lives, just build up protection for ourselves and become independent, it's so easy to start living lives that's not dependent on receiving the love of God for ourselves. Um, so what I want us to discuss just in groups is just practically how does becoming love look for you? So I'll give you actually um, five minutes each, but just maybe we can turn to, to groups of two or three and just think a little bit about, about that. How does, how does becoming love look for you and what has the false effect of that being?
August 18 says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear is to do with punishment. But just the fact that fear and love are the opposites. So I want you to discuss how has fear kept you from loving? You reflect over the last maybe three years or so, just think of things, what well, and to what extent you feel comfortable in sharing it, but just as a means of um, meditating on it. What are those fears or things that have kept you from loving, maybe got you to isolate yourself in any way or, or create distance in certain scenarios where otherwise you what you should have loved. So maybe just discuss that a little bit. What what fears or things have kept you away from loving?
you know, some of you really seem to be having a better conversations than me breaking you up in, in that sense right now. Um, but maybe do have that coffee, and I think just the concept is one of those things, it's simple but hard, or simple in terms of it's not complex, it's not rocket science, um, anyone can do it and everyone should do it, but practically deciding is there something we want to do, and if we just go back to that first verse of John 15, verse 10, um, to see that if we, and I think for most of us, that's our aim, think about it is we want to glorify God, right? And sometimes it's much easier than what is the next big project that I have to take on or what is the next career decision I have to make and how am I going to change the world out there? It just starts by for us to commit ourselves in terms of if we want to glorify God, we need to realize that we need to bear fruit in terms of it and with in terms of um, love and loving others and I think just for us to as we go out from here just think about that and engage if you have if you do sports and you have an injury that's keeping you from training and doing what you need you go see a specialist or someone that can help you navigate out of that so that you can get back on the field and start training again and the same with life if we had some kind of setback or struggling with those are fine and that's almost natural, but if we get in there again and gather people around us, accountability, small group, whatever is needed for us to get back in the game and to, to start loving again. But yes, there's amazing people out there in terms of counseling and in this building right now, just in terms of walking around, but in terms of that, and not only in that sense for our own personal devotion, but so that we collectively can be fruitful in terms of what Jesus has died for. So I just want to close with that. And yeah, you are able, you can do all things for Christ who strengthens you, and this is a natural thing um, anyone can, can walk in. So with that, I'm going to ask Nodia just to a song of worship and if you want to dedicate anything or pray about anything uh, some elders would be here and small group leaders please come to the front so that someone can can pray and agree with you but with that we'd just like to, to bless you as you go into the next week and you know afterwards stay for, for coffee and fellowship Now, Father, we thank you just for your word. We thank you just for your truth that sets us free, Father. And thank you that we will not spend that freedom on ourselves, on our own desires, but we, we will spend it proactively in a way that glorifies you, Father. And we thank you just for your truth that, that makes it plain for us to run with, Father. We thank you for that. We thank you just for the abilities that you have given us. To, to live us out and to live out your dream for in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's uh, join the band of worship and possible.